This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. अंग्रेज अपना लगान और न्यूज लॉन्ड्री अपना हफ्ता कभी नहीं भूलते वे आर बैक दिस वीक अभिनंदन सेक्रेटरी इज अगेन मिसिंग इन एक्शन ही आई थिंक ही इज जस्ट मे हैव लैंडेड फ्रॉम बॉस्टन एंड ही बी बैक नेक्स्ट वीक दो and have i'm sure you have plenty of stories to tell us from oh, i heard visit. something different What? i think he's not coming back because he had invested some money in the punjab national bank <laughs> <laughs> being a punjabi yes. and he's on the run on like the mr run. modi nirav modi <laughs> for those of you who have a mischievous mind anyway so we're here and uh, we have a really special guest with us but before that i'll introduce our regular panelists we have anand ranganathan with us hello Anand Vardhan. Hello. Uh, Atul. Hi. And we have a very special guest with us, Arti Tikku. She's senior assistant editor with the Times of India. She's been a journalist for about 15 years. She's worked with HT. She's interned with BBC and the UN. And she's a really uh, interesting voice on Twitter. She often gets bashed by the left and the right both intermittently. <laughs> <laughs> one week she upsets one uh, uh, set of people. The other. They uh, call me odd and even journalist. Yeah. Odd. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> So we have with her, and we hope uh, we'll get to uh, hear uh, fascinating stuff from her. Uh, I'll just uh, do and a little. I have to add, she's one of those rare, probably the only Times of India journalist who actually criti- is critical of Times of India as well. I don't uh, know how she keeps her job, which is <laughs> and didn't get fired. <laughs> In these fired. times, it's tough. I think the impression about Times of India is really misconstrued uh, on social media and even otherwise. Hmm. Times of India is a very liberal, open organization where you actually have freedom to speak your mind. I am part of the editorial team, and we often uh, do. introspect about how we function as an mm. as a brand as an organization and as a uh, journalistic uh, but, you but know. they have a really strict social media policy no that's what i have like i've read multiple uh, well, like uh, you have to say one handle should be toi et one handle should be personal the proof of the pudding is in eating right <laughs> uh, the fact that i am on mm. social media and i openly talk about issues and mm. take positions on um, you know politics mm. and economics and also media itself yeah um, so the, the key would, thing being the media because yeah, often that's what gets journalists in yeah, trouble yeah i think you My, know i have a theory mm. the theory is that arthi has some dirt on Mr. Jens, dang, dang, dang. She goes totally, you know. I mean, uh, it's, but it's it's very refreshing. Uh, yeah, and that's what it's fun to follow journalists like that who speak their mind. Otherwise, it's just you can't just use Twitter to plug your stories. I mean, that's just. I, I think you have to also <laughs> take into account the fact that uh, Times of India accommodates uh, people from say. Uh, far left to the far yeah. right, yeah. and you It's have good business. Yeah, if you yeah. have if you have Sagarika Ghosh on the one end, there is Arti Tiku on the other <laughs> end in <laughs> some ways. <laughs> by the way, you've been blocked by Sagarika. Uh, yeah, so we, she's blocked News Laundry also for some reason. Oh, she she's, she's blocked blocked News Laundry the handle. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't blame her. Some of the things we've done with her. So I would say nasty. that you know, uh, there's a wrong impression about Times of India. We are really and fundamentally a very 
liberal and open newspaper. Mm-hmm. But that's true also with the brands they have. Like you do have a Mirror now and you do have a Times now. But I think it also makes great market sense to cater to all sorts of people who are out there. It's good business sense. And they're good businessmen, I think, essentially. Uh, anyway, let's get to just uh, the news, uh, the things that we'd be talking about. The news that dominated newspapers and TV news was a terror attack on an army camp, uh, Sunjuwan military station in JNK. We lost five army personals in the attack, one civilian, 10 people were injured, six of these people were women, one of one was pregnant. So it was a really dastardly and very, very, uh, I mean, it, I think it really shook up uh, a lot of people. On the back of this, there was a lot of controversy as always. Politicians jump in, they say, they do what they do. There was Mehbooba Mufti's remark uh, where she said in the JNK Assembly that you need to talk to Pakistan. That generated a lot of heat in Delhi media, got differently covered in Kashmir, uh, newspapers in Kashmir. You had OVC saying that uh, the men who had died were Muslim Kashmiris. So that also created some controversy. On top of that, there was the RSS controversy where Mohan Bhagwat at a rally in Bihar said that we just need three days to be battle ready. So all those things, it was just, I think the whole, uh, half of the week just went into all this. Uh, Prime Minister Modi was visiting West Asia. He's pledged $40 million uh, to the Palestinian development. Uh, We also had a wink that took over the internet (laughs) and upset a few uh, young boys in Hyderabad who felt that Islam was threatened by this wink. Uh, yeah, they seemed young. The I saw their mid- pictures very proudly. Mid- they were uh, clicking their pictures with the police complaint. Mid-age crisis wale sab log the police complaint were all young. Then the subsequent Maulanas who made it to television were all <laughs> midlife crisis guys. So that also uh, dominated some news. And there was a PNB scam which involves Neeram Modi who's done a lot of jewelry for all these... Uh, like the only time I hear his name is when these like stars the defense, get married. Defense call him. बहुत बड़ा showroom है. बहुत बड़ा showroom है. और बहुत holdings हैं. Jewelry और ये सब. Like yeah, he's What's really. What's the company's big. name? It's, it's called Nero Modi. As a brand. Yeah. Like a jeweler shop. Some brand. They're holdings all over South Delhi. I've never heard of this. They're they're holdings. अच्छा. And finally, there was a lot of rumblings in the media. Also, a journalist from India today was sacked. She claims that she was sacked because of a tweet. The owners, of course, have a different story to tell. But this opened up a lot of questions on how free a journalist is really to criticize size the industry and uh, you know also uh, the whole I mean, it led into a very petty sort of a twitter war uh, so we'll discuss all that but we'll come to arti first you're from kashmir and uh, uh, let's talk about the news coverage i watched a lot of television news uh, that's what i do <laughs> i actually don't watch television news which is at why all. you're sane <laughs> but every time uh, something happens in kashmir and it's almost every month now some terror attack uh, some casualty or the other it just gets reduced into uh, i mean there's rarely any conversation on what the solution is or forget even sol- solution is a large thing to think of but the coverage is just pakistan murdabad hindustan zindabad that's about it what what is what I, what is your impression of the coverage oh, well i would and say that you know uh, indian television news uh, is a very different format from indian print news hmm. uh television has followed the uh, same uh, trend as you see in the west uh, left versus right and it's very high decibel um thanks to arnab goswami we also invented our own uh, genre of you know news uh, plus opinion mm. uh, earlier you know television coverage of kashmir used to be just reportage now uh, more than reportage you actually have opinion hmm. it's constant you know 
24 hours a day as a kashmiri what do you feel about i mean as a journalist and a kashmiri what do you think about all the opinions that are thrown out uh, i i think somewhere it is uh, it was essential because uh, for a long duration the narrative on kashmir was so lopsided and so um, in favor of in a way appeasing uh, the militants also in favor of appeasing the pakistani side mm. that um, I think this has this uh, high decibel coverage or high decibel opinion that we hear is going to slowly and gradually bring in an equilibrium of sorts hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, people have to start thinking that, uh, no, you cannot uh, pacify or appease militants in Kashmir, but punish them in the rest of the country. Hmm. Uh, if a Maoist is, you know, uh, is, is committing violence and he is uh, taken to court or he uh, gets killed in, an, in a counterinsurgency operation without uh, any, you know, hysteria or without any slogans of Muslim uh, victimization or, hmm. uh, you know, uh, say Naxal victimization, uh, the same principle should apply in Kashmir as well. You cannot have t- double standards uh, for stone pelters, pelters in Kashmir and stone pelters in, uh, in Haryana. Hmm. Uh, a lawbreaker is a lawbreaker. And therefore, you know, that narrative uh, needed real change, real <laughs> shift. Um, so and think I, think, I think TV has affected that shift. Uh, the only fear here is that it's it might take uh, this narrative to the other end, end. and uh, which is not good for um, a democracy like India, where we have various groups and you have to collectively take the country forward. Hmm. What for your, what's your thoughts on when like Mehbooba Mufti in the assembly said that you have to talk and talk is the only way forward? Uh, incidentally, <laughs> you, you know, uh, I have an op-ed which will appear tomorrow and I've written uh, precisely on this subject. I'm not in favor of uh, talks uh, while terror is on. Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, it was a policy uh, relevant uh, in, I would say, uh, early 90s or even early 2000s, but after a point, it brought in diminishing returns. And it really didn't help India uh, to change anything on the ground in Kashmir. You have New Age militancy, uh, which erupted after, uh, you know, if you remember, from 2008 to 2010, you had three consecutive years of uh, massive street violence, street uh, mm. stone pelting in Kashmir, which in a way, you know, f- it's a vicious circle. It uh, created new generation, new uh, age militancy in Kashmir, mm. who then emerged on the scene after Burhan Wani was killed mm. in 2016. So, it, all through, you know, uh, to be fair to Narendra Modi government, uh, who came on the uh, uh, lot of, you know, rhetoric against Pakistan and on against a uh, soft approach of the yeah. Indian state. But once Modi uh, came to power, he did uh, sort of uh, use his massive mandate to uh, go for a reconciliatory approach towards Pakistan. Mm. He went out of his way to extend friendship to Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif. Uh, He went out of his way to uh, go to Lahore on uh, Nawaz Sharif's uh, granddaughter's wedding. Um, 
And it seemed uh, he was actually not uh, true to what he had sort of promised to his core constituency mm. in India. But things sort of um, changed radically after the first uh, few terror attacks. First was in Gurdaspur police station and the next was in Pathankot yeah. uh, Air Force Base and then uh, Uri uh, Army Camp, uh, mm. you know. So all those attacks sort of, you know, uh, created another sort of uh, uh, shift in the thinking in New Delhi that um, we cannot continue having talks uh, while Pakistan does not change its uh, cross-border terror, mm. you know, policy. Uh, so you'd say the timing was not correct. I mean, this is not, I mean, at the, on the back of a terror attack, you wouldn't want a chief minister exactly. to say, Unless, Let's you know, talk. Pakistan shows tangible results mm. in terms of, you know, uh, curbing its terror groups, uh, clamping down, actually, its uh, terror camps in Pakistan. Also, <clears throat> show willingness to... Uh, punish, uh, you know, ter- mastermind like uh, Hafiz Saeed yeah. and uh, Masura, Masood Azhar. Mm. Uh, you, India, I mean, really doesn't have an incentive to talk to Pakistan. Why should India keep talking uh, mm. when Pakistan actually hasn't shown any willingness to change its policy? Do you go back home? Do you have... Uh- um, unfortunately, uh, no. my house, uh, my parents' home... Uh, where I grew up till 1990, was burned down in 1990 itself when Mm. uh, the entire community uh, was forced to leave Kashmir. Kashmiri Uh, Pandits. Yeah, yeah, Mm. Kashmiri Pandits. Uh, So I went back only as a journalist uh, in the year 2001 after um, 11-12 years of gap. And uh, And did you have a lot of conversations with the young people there? Yes, I, 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 I think I was the only female journalist at the time who went back to Kashmir and I was the only one who used to go uh, and talk to people in Kashmiri. Mm. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a very different experience because I had uh, left Kashmir as a kid and mm. I went back as an adult and uh, I had gone uh, as, a, as a journalist who was sort of trained to be dispassionate, who was uh, told and indoctrinated to look at things objectively and Mm. not intermingle your own personal experience Mm. and opinion and whatever emotion I had about the place. I had to suspend all of it Mm. and go there um, as an identity-less person. Mm. Uh, So... um, But is that possible? Because, I mean... uh, I think... uh, it was possible because uh, I am unfortunately from the generation which also suffered an identity crisis. Yeah. So I can't really relate to any place uh, anymore. I can't really say that Kashmir is home or Jammu where my parents, you know, moved to is home or uh, Delhi where I've been Grew working up. for the Grew last up. seven years or in the US where I went to study. I can't really tell what my home is. So I went back as someone who was disconnected, rootless, and uh, except for the linguistic connection with the place, I did not really have a connection. Um, So yeah, but that is an advantage that I used uh, to the hilt. (laughs) I uh, spoke in Kashmiri. uh, I could also empathize with the... uh, 
victims of human rights violations, but I could also see uh, where uh, the fault lines were politically mm. uh, because I had, you know, removed myself from the, the place. Mm. Okay, great. Anand, your... Yeah, no. Uh, and uh, One thing I would like to ask Aarti, she's there, is let us say, Aarti, that Pakistan acts on quote-unquote terrorism and uh, all the terrorism that, that is being sponsored by Pakistan vanishes. What, and then we get to talks with them. What would, what does Pakistan want from those talks? Uh, want? I don't get it. Uh, well, the thing is that uh, you are making a huge leap here. Yeah. You are saying that Pakistan stops right. cross-border terror. And I, uh, <clears throat> as a student of international relations, uh, and as a student of political science, uh, believe that Pakistan actually will not uh, stop cross-border terror simply because it's uh, a sub-conventional warfare. Uh, by that, I mean that uh, it is cost-effective and it has maximum impact. Yeah. You don't, uh, you don't uh, move or you don't invest hugely in your army, in your defense uh, or in a war. Uh, you just uh, use minimum resources uh, to raise a, you know, even a dozen terrorists and you send them across and they can create havoc in, right. in Kashmir. No, I mean, my point was uh, a little bit different. Yeah, so, uh, the, so that's one. Second, let's say Pakistan actually stops yeah. cross-border terror. Will Pakistan really change its attitude or approach towards India? And I would say no, it will not. Because uh, one, for uh, Pakistan is really paranoid about India. It's, it, has an, it sees India as an existential threat. And that paranoia comes from the fact that uh, in 1971, Pakistan uh, did get, you know, uh, partitioned again uh, in a way uh, and Bangladesh was created with the help of, of India's intervention. The second point is that if you look at the broader picture, the broader geo strategy of the subcontinent, it's not just about Kashmir for in, for Pakistan, or it's not just about you know uh, using subconventional warfare against India. It's also about, and this I have I have come you know this argument I have heard from Pakistanis themselves that uh, for Pakistan to eventually they I mean they are convinced that this is the right approach. Uh, we can obviously find faults with this uh, kind of uh, argument. For them, um, for uh, Pakistan to grow, they would like to see India to be contained. And containment not only in terms of, uh, you know, in, in uh, milit militarily, but also economically. And for them, uh, one of the ways to uh, contain India is to arrest its economic growth, to keep it distracted in various issues um, like, you know, cross-border terror. Uh, also, the fact that, you know, Pakistan has a major strategic goal in Afghanistan. So with uh, the new realignment uh, that Pakistan has uh, now uh, sort of um, uh, gone for, which is uh, from being a, a U.S. ally, it has moved to uh, being a colony of, of China, given the fact that, you know, they are now engaged in a multi-billion dollar project uh, called China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, CPEC. 
So it's not just about uh, Kashmir. Pakistan would also like to undermine India's influence in Afghanistan. Uh, yeah. For for that to happen, you know, I don't think Pakistan will ever see India as a friend. So you know that. So yeah, you're absolutely right with what you've said. But my question was. Assuming, let's say, hypothetical situation that Pakistan dispenses with all the cross-border terrorism, mm-hmm. becomes a quote-unquote friend ready to come to the table. Point is, India has no, uh, or, you know, there is no, uh, how shall I put it, uh, no advantage or whatever, uh, uh, you know, in those talks. What has India to gain from those talks? You're right. Because I, uh, I don't see any grouse. I mean, what what is it that India has to gain? I mean, you've basically narrated exactly yeah. what everyone knows, yeah. which is that Pakistan would never be friends with India, yeah. existential mm. threat and yeah. so many other yeah. geopolitical scenarios. Yeah. Let us say dispenses with terrorism. And okay, let's let's have talks. What has India to gain well, from yeah, this? Well, yeah, that's dispensed away. Yeah. What do we want to talk about? Right. <laughs> Let's exactly. talk about the good things. So that's I the guess. point. Yeah, like I, the trade. I, I, and I don't that. think India really has an incentive to, um, you know, hold talks with Pakistan. India doesn't get to gain anything. This is different whether it's, from uh, whether Israel it's, and Palestine. Yeah, you whether it's whether it's economy, whether it's um, defense, whether it's trade. On any level, I don't think India really has an incentive uh, because uh, except for Pakistan, you if you really look at the globe, India is actually um, has a great relations with Muslim countries um, in Middle East, including Palestine, where uh, President Modi recently went and announced uh, massive uh, development uh, projects. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, Anand. I would agree with you. Yeah, but I was just wondering, I mean, and then Anand, you can come in that perhaps... I, I'm, I see your point that there's no peace possibility, but perhaps you can at least contain it by dialogue, the situation, because things were not this bad, right? Like we've had multiple terror okay, attacks. I have, to, I, have to, uh, I have to interrupt you right here. When we keep saying uh, that things were not this bad, we are actually promoting a false narrative. Mm. The fact is that India and Pakistan were into an eyeball-to-eyeball uh, confrontation soon after the exactly. parliament uh, parliament attack. Yeah, um, almost war. That was yeah, almost that was war. almost war. And uh, Kargil 99 uh, war was a real war, uh, a conventional war. Also, the level of violence that you see in Kashmir today is, is less, is way, way, way less than the, the violence 90s. in the early 90s. Mm. Um, the number of terror organizations that were operational in, in Kashmir, and not just Kashmir, but across the country, you have had, you know, uh, Mumbai attacks. That was uh, mm. 2611 was what could be yeah. worse than that yeah. you know in one day you had m- such massive violence in terms of kashmir though in the past 10 years let's yeah, say in the past 10 years has this have we seen the last say maybe one year as massive like major in terms of casualties and attacks on army camps attacks on uh, y- yes you could say that you know I'd say I, past not 10 even years, in 10 not years no not mm-hmm. even in 10 years uh, if you look at uh, I did, maybe. I did mention that from 2008 to 2010, uh, Kashmir did witness massive violence. In mm. 2010, for example, over 100 uh, youth were killed in Kashmir in on, on the streets. Mm. So, um, no, uh, I wouldn't say that, you know, things are worse now. Mm. I would say things are actually pretty much in control, especially uh, <clears throat> there was a period after 2010 
when there was a drop in counterinsurgency operations in Kashmir. Um, it was a policy choice, I would say. The fact that the number of militants which, you know, uh, went up from 2010, as I did point out earlier, that 2010 was actually the fulcrum of the new age militancy that we are witnessing now. People who entered uh, this new age militancy came out from 2010 violence. It created so much anger and so much, you know, resentment and, uh, and also against level the of army and the state. That I think a lot of the young now, I mean, they just don't care. They just don't care about their lives. They the didn't lives care in front even of them. in 1990, uh, mm. you know, um, because I've grown up there and I remember in 1989, I used to see uh, young kids um, as young as, you know, eight-year-old boys, six-year-old boys on the streets lobbing mm. petrol bombs on, on the CRPF. Uh, see, youth never cares whether it's in Palestine, whether it's in Kashmir, whether it's in Haryana, mm. whether it's in Kerala. They never care. Youth is, you know, mm. youth. They have the adrenaline rush and they have to sort of channelize it somewhere. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, this this narrative that it's worse. And it's usually good to actually then employ young people for your cause, whatever it is, because you'll find the most they're willing to do or go that extra mile. And yeah, I mean, mm. if you look at even um, it, at Middle East or, you know, African wars and civil wars in Africa, it's always the youth who drive these, you know, civil war violent movements. It's not the, you know, middle-aged or or the uh, people, senior citizens of, of any country. Yeah. Your uh, view, Anand? On what? On, on lots of, on, on whatever. <laughs> Take your pick. Uh, Take the conversation forward or pick on whatever we've said. Or maybe you want to... Okay, hmm. uh, okay, television media's take on uh, Kashmir hmm. uh, was, is perhaps a reflection of an absent part of the discourse for say last 20 25 years like I that the rela the mm. relationship of uh, say mainland voices with kashmir mm. so uh, that was missing in media means what the rest, rest of ordinary indians think about kashmir mm. so that has perhaps uh, um, got a voice through those television channels sometimes lunatic sometimes uh, means uh, magnifying those voices mm. means mm. that was at earlier it was very strategic intellectual or diplomatic kind of perspectives that were getting their way to media but now the relationship of mainland India not saying that Kashmir is not part of mainland India but with Kashmir that has somehow got reconfigured in television discourse means that that, that is one thing second is that Kashmir like all conflict zones in the world is an overcovered region means international media everyone everything is covered that is true covered so reporters find it very happening and is a place to cover so there is also an oversupply of narratives that's also a crisis <laughs> so, 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 uh, I can just imagine this news consumer bombarded with narratives so, crisis so, uh, so, uh, and uh, a third thing is uh, like uh, say what was the last highest dip, uh, level uh, talks uh, happened that was in December when Ajit Dovel met uh, his uh, Counterpart in Bangkok, I think, 
so uh, and what was the last statement india's last statement was that uh, uh, till terror is not addressed there is no point talking now the now the uh, old diplomatic school and uh, the current governmental uh, position differ there are some old diplomats arguing that no talk is neither forward not backward it is no move at all whereas uh, <laughs> and the, there is a school of diplomacy arguing that uh, but talks are po pointless too means uh, you don't have as they were arguing any diplomatic advantage to gain through talks mm -hmm. so uh, that is a zero sum game being played out so uh, so uh, that has always been the case so um, i think i am talking as pointlessly as the talks would be <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah <laughs> without a business class ticket atul <laughs> there was uh, on the back of this there was मैं दो बहुत लिमिटेड चीजें बात मुझे मेरे दिमाग में आई महबूबा मुफ्ती ने जो कहा इन प्रिंसिपल फंडामेंटली हम सब लोग इस बात पे राजी हैं कि बातचीत ही किसी समस्या का अल्टीमेटली हल हो सकता है या बातचीत की टेबल पे ही अंत में आना है सबको किसी लॉन्ग टर्म लॉन्ग टर्म अगर सोल्यूशन की तरफ हम बढ़ रहे हैं अब इसमें एक जो नुकसान है इस पूरी पॉलिसी में जो ये जिस जिस आरती ने बताया कि हम गलत फॉल्स नैरेटिव की तरफ जा रहे हैं कि राइस हो गया है लेकिन हम पिछले एक दशक में देखेंगे तो जो सबसे बड़ा नुकसान हुआ है अभी मतलब अभी इस सरकार की पॉलिसी से कि हम बात ही नहीं करेंगे वो नुकसान ये हुआ है कि जो एक दशक में अचीवमेंट था और ये केवल मोदी की सरकार की लापरवाही नहीं है ये यूपीए वन टू में हुआ जो सीज फायर हुआ जिस प्रेशर में सीज फायर हुआ आफ्टर पार्लियामेंट अटैक और जिस तरह से दोनों सेनाएं आप दोनों देश आपस में आपने सामने खड़े थे उसके बाद उसका जितने बेहतरीन तरीके से अटल बिहारी वाजपेयी की सरकार के टाइम पे इस्तेमाल हुआ था जिस और जिस तरह से दबाव में आके जिसे आरती ने कहा कि पॉलिसी के तौर पे उन्होंने उस समय चेंजेस किए थे सीज फायर हुआ बहुत डाउन हो गई कैजुअलिटीज डाउन हो गई उसके बाद की सरकारों ने उसको और उससे बढ़ाने का उसको एक स्टेप आगे ले जाने की जो कोशिशें होनी चाहिए थी या उसमें जो इम्प्रूवमेंट होनी चाहिए थी वो कोशिश कम रही और अब उसका बहुत वर्स्ट फॉर्म दिख रहा है दूसरा ये कि हम ये नहीं कह सकते कि आप ये मतलब पूरे ओवरऑल पर्सपेक्टिव में देखेंगे पचास साल के या करगिल के कॉन्सेप्ट में तो ऑब्वियसली ये कम लगेंगी जैसा नहीं लेकिन ये तो है ही है कि जो अटल बिहारी वाजपेयी के बाद से और करगिल या जो हमने पार्लियामेंट अटैक के बाद से अचीव किया था उसमें तो उसका तो नुकसान हुआ ही हुआ है और चाहे वो पठानकोट का अटैक हो या अभी की जो स्थिति है उसमें एक और चीज़ है कि अब वो सिविलियन के ऊपर हमले नहीं है ज़्यादातर सब स्टैब्लिशमेंट सिक्योरिटी और जो सरकार के जो प्रतीक हैं उनके ऊपर जो हमले हो रहे हैं तो उन हमलों के ऊपर ऑब्वियसली जो एक सरकार इस तरह की है हमारे पास उसकी ये आज की तारीख में मिलिट्री माइट है यही सारी चीज़ें मिलके आपको ये बेसिकली बारगेन की आपके टूल्स हैं कि आपको उस टू वहाँ तक लाएंगे बातचीत की टेबल तक लाएंगे कि आप अपनी मिलिट्री माइट का इस्तेमाल करेंगे वो इस सरकार के साथ जो दुविधा दिख रही है कि बात तो नहीं करेंगे बहुत साफ है कि बात नहीं करेंगे लेकिन उसके बाद जब जो अचीवमेंट करना है जो डिप्लोमेटिक चैनल से फिर जिन चीज़ों को अचीव करना है जिसको आर्मी के जरिए अचीव करना है वो अचीवमेंट नहीं है अटैक वैसे ही हो रहे हैं आर्मी के फ्रंट पे फेलियर बार बार आर्मी के स्टेब्लिशमेंट पे अटैक हो रहे हैं आई थिंक एक बहुत स्कैरी चीज एक्चुअली है कि कितने हाउ वनरेबल आर आर आर्मी कैम्प आर्मी कैम्प इंटेलिजेंस इन फोर्ट्स 
in such a I mean high I mean in a place like JNK so that is one thing I didn't see many people talk about but it's very hmm. scary to see that I mean army people CRP exactly. people are so, living so vulnerably yeah. like camps diplomatic channel mein utne effective sabit ho pa rahe hain ना आर्मी माइट के उसमें कि हम उसको पूरी तरह से रोक पाने में सक्षम हो रहे हैं और हमारे पास सबसे बहुत पावरफुल मैंडेट वाली सरकार है जिसका पूरा मतलब जिसका मैंडेट ही यही है जिसका हमेशा से कहना यही है कि कश्मीर हमारे एजेंडे में सबसे ऊपर है उस कश्मीर में हम पिछले 20 साल 25 साल 30 साल के दौरान कोई भी एक बड़ा अंतर नहीं देख पा रहे हैं कि उस कश्मीर की हालत में बदलाव आया है वट ही इज बेसिकली सेंग इज दैट इंडियाज ओन इंटरनल सिक्योरिटी इज एट at its weakest there are vulnerabilities and there is um a certain complacency uh, that has sort of uh, grown within our security forces um so i wouldn't sort of you know blame that uh, on on this government i i think you know that complacency or um intelligence failure or say security lapse all these uh, are essentially systemic failures सरकार ने कुछ नहीं किया राइट वॉट इज दिंग ऑफ डायलॉग विद पाकिस्तान पहले कहते हैं कि दूध मांगोगे खीर देंगे कश्मीर मांगो के चीर दे दिस इज द सेम गवर्नमेंट सेम गवर्नमेंट खीर भी दे रहे हैं इसी श्रृंखला में एक और है पानी मांगोगे तो कोक देंगे कश्मीर मांगोगे तो ठोक देंगे दिस रिमाइंड मी ऑफ मिस्टर भागवत यू नो दिस वन थिंग दैट वी डोंट टॉक ऑफन इन दिस कंट्री and which is you know we are we do not get to question the army itself hmm. uh army is like a no no zone in hmm. in terms of criticism you yeah. can't if you the moment you criticize the army you get you know uh, lampooned as anti national or traitor hmm. and all that but the fact is the army does uh, you know they need to get its act together they need to um, beef up their security there was for example in the sunjwa attack there was intelligence there was credible intelligence that mm-hmm. there were going to be attacks so um every attack you get exactly yeah, that there were exactly usually inputs, i mean yeah. given given the technological advancement you also see this our army is one military or army i don't know 1 million strong right yeah so uh, after this uh, mehbooba is another remark that really uh, caught the fancies of newswalas was mohan bhagwat's statement hmm. uh, saying that hum teen din mein taiyar kar sakte hain sena sena and some people <laughs> said that he was misquoted that he was actually saying ki we are not comparing ourselves with the army but we are comparing ourselves with army's ability to train society versus army's ability to train us and uh, some people obviously i mean mm. that was i mean i think it was quite obvious that he was talking about rss versus the army uh-huh. but what what असल में इसमें एक चीज है ना आरएसएस ने उस पर एक अपना क्लैरिफिकेशन भी जारी कर दिया है उसमें उनकी पूरी बात को सुना जाए तो ठीक है कि वो बेसिकली वो 
सेना की बात नहीं कर रहे थे वो असल में इग्नोरेंस में कुछ चीज़ें होती हैं ना कि आपके जहन में बैठी होती हैं और आपके दिमाग में चल रही होती हैं कि ये ऐसे तो उस उस झोंके में कही गई बात थी वो झोंके में भी नहीं मतलब वो लोगों को संबोधित कर रहे थे तो वो कही लेकिन उसमें ऐसा नहीं है कि सब कुछ भी अलार्मिंग नहीं है कुछ तो थोड़ा बहुत अलार्मिंग तो है ही है जैसे आप कह रहे हैं कि आप मिलिट्री ऑर्गेनाइजेशन नहीं है पैरामिलिट्री ऑर्गेनाइजेशन नहीं है लेकिन आपकी पूरी ट्रेनिंग उसी तरह से होती है ज़रूरत पड़ने पर ये वो और दूसरा ये पूरे आरएसएस के सिस्टम का मतलब पूरी कल्चर का हिस्सा है कि वो आर्मी और उस तर, उस उसी तर्ज पर आपको ट्रेन किया जाता है और उसका एक इन्हेरेंट पार्ट है आपको हमेशा एक भय दिखाया जाता है अब राष्ट्र रक्षा यज्ञ चल रहा whether they are able to raise an army is a separate question but their approaches um you know to hmm. in fact you know arm and equip and train, train. young boys in that direction except that you know they don't really have the weaponry fight, or yeah. the hmm. or the entire uh, defense mechanism and infrastructure hmm. at their disposal hmm. um and yeah but as you rightly pointed out um, i don't think you know they they, they they would be they would be a great uh, resource of uh, of uh, you know help mm-hmm. if there is for example a war uh, unlike israel where you have a conscription system where, where you where, yeah. where everyone is supposed to you know train with the military you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in, in india you know i don't think you know this the rss youth really can sort of you know sort of become an alternative in 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 the ab koi garla ki hamari apni khud ki army hai israel jaise chote desh aur 50 lakh 40 lakh log nahi hai ki sabko hamesha zarurat padegi train karne ki hamara political jo polish yahan ka jansankhya ka dividend hai wo bahut bada hai to uske liye ek to dusri baat ye कि जो आइडियोलॉजिकल पूरा वो है ना जो गोलवल सबसे बड़ी किताब जो है इनकी जो गुरु गुरुजी ने लिखी है इनकी वो हिंदी में है विचार सौरभ के नाम से बंच ऑफ थॉट्स उसकी पूरी ओरिजिन और उसके पूरे नरेटिव में बार बार ये चीज़ आएगी समाज को आपको सेना के तर्ज पे तैयार करना है तो वो वहां से आता है ये ऐसे ही तो मैंने जो कहा कि इग्नोरेंस में उन्होंने बात की क्योंकि उनके दिमाग में हमेशा पढ़ा उन्होंने किताब से लेके गुरुजी को पढ़ा जहां भी पढ़ा उनको ये लगता है वो ड्रेस भी मिलिट्री के ही हिसाब से डिसाइड की गई थी उस समय जो मुसोलिनी की आर्मी से वहीं से उठाया गया था खाकी हाफ पैंट इतना अच्छा? बुरा किसने बना दिया यहाँ लाते लाते उसको झबला बना दिया पता नहीं क्या हुआ वो अलग बात on it too that you'd like to share <laughs> no i haven't written a piece but i did i did dig out a piece of yeah. dr swami as you know and i quoted uh, is without saying that it is dr swami who said all yeah, this thing yeah. and i got uh, you know trolled for about 2 hours and then i disclosed this has been said by that's that's when he blocked me <laughs> but you see the point with rss is that it is a cultural organization now cultural organization it claims to be no i mean i'm trying to look at the psychology of it and the psychology is that for cultural organizations the destruction of a nation or uh, you know the whatever happens to the nation doesn't matter because at the end of the day even if you have nothing 
the whole nation stands destroyed it's like a religious text you will have you will still have the poorest of the poor still reading the quran still reading the gita so you know you have that basic thing so their whole philosophy is that that we are indestructible that is a psychology the second psychology is that they are anachronistic by which i mean is that they are stuck in this pre-independence era where you had nationalism where you had let's have lati let's have defense you know let's have practice let's be disciplined all their philosophies stem from this anachronism mm-hmm. this is not required so it it is an unchanging organization mm-hmm. and the problem is that if an organization does not change with a fast moving india okay where the political wing of rss which is the bjp wants to develop india yeah. have economic uh, progress and this and that sort it doesn't matter to the rss and you can see it in many of its policies actually the economic policies are totally left wing yeah yeah totally it is so much anti science in terms of this anti gmo you know so many things so it is stuck in that you also you, their labor union is very like tremendous uh, i mean you know the whole thing now you see the point is on the other hand it has as its sister organizations as vhp and bajrang dal okay so when it says we are non violent dusri side pe aapke bajrang dal aur kal unhone afra tafri machai kisi mall mein although bajrang dal wale ne kaha ki ye hamare log nahi hai you know as usual kisi ne bhi saffron pen liya to there was some spokesperson who was saying which is okay fine wo paanch che ladke honge but point is it's not the first time they've done it they've no this is what they do so when you have these four things together a e anachronistic unchanging b uncaring because it's a cultural or cultural organizations do not care i mean you look at mao i mean of course it's an extreme example yeah. but someone who can kill 63 million of its own people doesn't care because he wanted to bring this cultural revolution his idea is that at the end of the day if everything you know like pol pot ground zero yeah. i mean people might be offended ki analogy this is an analogy this is not i am not likening rss to pol pot or something but the thought process is this that for cultural organizations the progress of a nation is immaterial mm. because at the base is this quasi religious thing that is unchanging you will not change it so they will never criticize you know a lot of wrong things that savarkar gowalkar hegdewar mm. did they will never do it yeah. because that is the basis of that thing so if you understand that then i i actually sympathize with the rss because i believe all it requires is one uh, muslim sar sanchalak mm. who would actually change the whole no one's laughing here right? <laughs> <laughs> i was like is this cool? <laughs> <laughs> They do have a Muslim munch though. मतलब ऐसे दंग में लगा उस प्रमुख stunned silence greeted this. Yeah, yeah because अरे ये कहाँ जा रहा है? Where's this conversation going? Yeah, because uh, it's see they have a separate women's wing. They have yeah, a separate Muslim. Munch also. They have a munch. But भैया separate munch क्यों है भाई? अगर आप देश का इतना वो करना चाहते हो have one organization have a member who can be uh, you know uh, but the whole if you go to, go through their charter and uh, you know it says for the benefit of charak shaadi nahi kar sakta hinduism ke liye wo usli us lihaz se us puri hierarchy mein mahilaon ke liye wo space hi nahi hai kabhi apni jaise modi yahan se uthke chai wala se uthke pradhanmantri ban sakte hain wo hindustan ke loktantra ki khasiyat ho sakti hai lekin ek mahila rss sarsanghchalak nahi ban sakti ye rss ke us mein inherent usme hai hi nahi hai isliye unhone dikhane ke liye ek bana diya hai durga vahini par aap naam nahi le sakte pichle 20 saal mein durga vahini ki ek koi badi neta paida hui hai jo durga vahini se politics me i see the point is that is why you know people compare it to a quasi religion thing you know whenever you have unchanging 
you know uh, things change with time you know you required possibly you required nationalism in the 1930s 1940s no doubt about it because we we identified with our enemy which who was the brits yeah. right so like bhagat singh everyone there was this spirit of nationalism and i was just talking to arti and arti was saying no one was more nationalistic than jawaharlal nehru in those times yeah. which is fine lala rajpatra all the not now yeah and your view your your studious silence okay. you're listening to us oh. now uh, the statement itself was subject to lot of interpretations because it was vulnerable to reading between lines so um, that is one thing so uh, i always take a marathi or gujarati speaking hindi which a, with a pinch of salt so mai is par ek kahani bhi sunaunga ek pracharak ki kahani sunaunga abhi na bahut maza aayega i take a kashmiri with bahut maza because you said just said narinder modi instead of narendra modi and you see ha like amit sa kartab ko kurukrit bol dete hain to और मोदी प्रकृति को प्रकृति बोलते हैं तो एंड मोहन भागवत has his own problems with marathi version of hindi so uh, so uh, the, the clarification that rss has given is uh, uh, also something lost in translation their argument <laughs> yeah, is so so, so uh, something uh, so, uh, so uh, but if you see that clip what he has said before it and after it he was uh, he repeated that uh, i am not uh, rss is not a military organization it is not even a paramilitary organization we are a family so he has but if the constitution so, uh, allows no. and if now uh, the is... clarification that rss gave was that uh, if required we can we can group as ourselves as an army and be more than the ordinary people because we have a culture of discipline so now uh, not going into its ideological in orientations but rss from 1925 pride its itself in organizational discipline and uh, 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 two cadres left in left the cpm and right so the hard power cadre of bjp comes from rss and they are a very trained group they are perhaps the largest organization in the country very trained any organization that can get four or five people in your colonies park every morning has to be organized so so uh, that is and they pride itself that they can mobilize people in 200 people at any time anywhere that that they pride themselves and he was perhaps alluding to that that we we have that mobilization capacity we can mobilize people at very short notice hmm. so uh, that discipline and uh, that is a kind of discipline that uh, bjp politically also has to bank on because for the elections uh, for, yeah. for elections because no political party in india has that kind of mobilizational support and uh, Uh, that is uh, that is one thing and in times of emergency in not emergency what you can say natural disaster like flood earthquake they earn a, a kind of goodwill through this mobilization to wo jamaat-ud-da wa jaise tamam log karte hain wo har organization karta hai you know anand maybe you can also pitch in wouldn't you agree that rss is somewhat like jamaat-e-islami you know jamaat-e-islami also has a massive footprint on the ground they can mobilize people 
um, like 200 yeah. people uh, just with a wink <laughs> by the way <laughs> yeah. um nicely done <laughs> yeah but uh, uh, but it, and it, and it has the same approach also you know um that as anand was saying that we are indestructible uh, we are a cultural socio cultural organization we have nothing to do with politics we are not you know a military uh, the same idea Malo, that कल्चरल वो जो आत्मा अजर अमर है बाकी सब तो आते जाती रहेगी इसमें पर बट इन टर्म्स ऑफ प्रोडक्शन ऑफ वायलेंस आर एस एस इज नॉट हैज नो हिस्ट्री ऑफ यूनिलेटरल वायलेंस सो इट काम इट हैज अ वायलेंट फेस इन से वेन देर आर फ्लैश पॉइंट्स वेन देर क्लासेस बट नॉट यूनिलेटरल एक्ट्स ऑफ टेरर और वायलेंस stressed uh yeah i i would agree because uh, jamaat uh, eventually did uh, become the base for hizbul mujahideen mm-hmm. rss does not have a, does not have a terror group does mm-hmm. not have a, a militant group uh, and he's right that it's uh, oh. it's not a unilateral um without what you're saying is that without provocation they will not indulge in violence to jo anand ne baat kahi ki wo bhasha mein kai bar marathi aur udhar ki jo bhasha mein baat kho jati hai to ek hum log hum log kya kahawat hai ki naya mulla pyaaz bhi bahut khata hai kyun to ऐसे कहा तो वो पांचों बेल समय की नमाज पढ़ेगा शुरुआत में अभी नया नया शुरू हुआ है उस तरह प्याज भी बहुत कनेक्शन कहावत ये नया मुल्ला प्याज आई नो नमाज बहुत पढ़ता जैसे संघ में वर्ग दीक्षा के अलग 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 वो होते हैं प्रथम वर्ग दीक्षित द्वितीय वर्ग दीक्षित तो जो फाइनल वाला होता है जो प्रचारक बनने से पहले जब उसके बाद जब देश में तैनाती होती है तो उसकी दो साल की तीन साल की ट्रेनिंग होती है नागपुर हेडक्वार्टर में वो तीन साल रहता है तो हमारे एक जान पहचान के मित्र थे वो फाइनल उसके लिए तीन साल नागपुर हेडक्वार्टर रह के आए मैं नाम नहीं बताऊँगा और क्योंकि फिर ऐसे लोग आइडेंटिटी और वो सब भी हो जाती है पहचान सामने आ जाती है उनको मेरठ मंडल में नियुक्ति मिली तो मेरठ मंडल में पहले रह चुके थे जैसे वो बीच बीच में प्रथम वर्ग दीक्षित जब लोकल लोकली उनकी ट्रेनिंग होती है तो वहाँ पे वो रहते थे तो वहाँ पे उनके बहुत सारे प्रशंसक जैसे वो शाखा लगा लगा रहे हैं तो नए नए लड़के ये यूथ बहुत एक पूरा नेटवर्क बनाते हैं उनका काम ही होता है वो बहुत लीडरशिप स्किल डेवलप होती करते हैं लोगों को प्रचारक के अंदर और वो फिर ऑर्गेनाइज करता है यूथ को नए लोगों को लाता है शाखा में यूथ तो उनमें एक लड़का बहुत मुहलगा हो गया बहुत क्लोज हो गया उनसे तो ये जब नागपुर चले गए तो इनसे फ़ोन पे बातचीत होती रहती थी कभी कभार एक हाथ कभी तो उनसे फ़ोन पे बातचीत हुई कि गुरुजी आप आइएगा तो आइएगा ज़रूर मेरे घर पे ये वो तो उनके ऊपर मराठी सवार थी एकदम से उन्होंने कहा इस बार आप ही के यहाँ सहवास होगा अब ये होता है मराठी में कहना साथ रहने का कि आप ही के यहाँ स्थान पर रहूँगा मैं और ये अब वो बात को उस बच्चे ने जो मेरठ में रह रहा है उसने उसको लिटरली ले लिया मतलब? तो जब ये आए वापस यहाँ पे एक हफ्ते के लिए किसी कार्यक्रम में फिर से मेरठ में तो उसने कहा कि आप हमारे ही यहाँ रहना है आपको रहने खाने वाने का प्रबंध जो भी होता है ऐसे क्योंकि आरएसएस का खाने पीने का मतलब प्रचारकों का इन सब का जो होता है वो आज भी मतलब कम्युनिटी लेवल पर ही होता है ऐसे तो वो उस लड़के के यहाँ गए और रात में उसने अपने छत पे गर्मियों के दिन था छत पे अपने घर के बिस्तर लगाई थी और ये जाके सो गए और रात में इनको महसूस हुआ कि वो लड़का भी बगल में इनके सोया था और इनके शरीर पे आते हाथ फेरने लगा तो अचानक से उनकी नींद खुली उन्होंने ये कहा तो कहा आप ही ने कहा था कि इस बार आप ही के यहाँ सहवास होगा हमारे यहाँ लिटरल होता है 
ये रियल कहानी एक प्रचारक के साथ प्रचार मैं अच्छा किसी दिन मैं बुलाता भी उनको यहाँ पे <laughs> you have to take his word if he is saying that. <laughs> so Shut there up. is an undercurrent of uh, homo- homosexuality also. होता ही होगा यार so many men together in one place. शादी नहीं कर सकता कोई भी प्रचारक ये पहला प्रतिबंध है तो उसके बाद बहुत सारे चीजें भाई अब प्रकृति को आप कैसे नियंत्रित करते होंगे? It happens a long, lot among Buddhist monks also by the way. Really? Yeah, and spread of renal disease. In fact, a journalist had done a story in Bhutan on spread of renal disease among monks, and she was barred from coming to the country again. But of course, I mean, where you where? Priest, Catholic priest as well. Yeah, of course, Catholic priest as well, of course. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Let's um, let's uh, talk about the PNB scam. Who can enlighten us a little bit? Um, there's Mr. Modi, Nirav Modi, who's run away. Another Vijay Malia in the making. No, he is not another Vijay Malia. He is <laughs> much cleverer than Vijay Malia. Lalit Modi. He is he, Lalit Modi. When did he run away? Did he? काफी पहले चला गया था शांति से निकल गया था इसके बाद आफ्टर और बिफोर द स्कैम आई थिंक ही आल्सो रन अवे आफ्टर ओनली विद इन कुछ कुछ ही पहले निकलो तो बात है ना बाद में निकलो तो फिर उसका वो बट यू नो आई मीन आई वाज ट्राइंग टू गेट माय हेड अराउंड दिस थिंग बिकॉज़ इट्स गोइंग टू सर्टेनली ब्लो अप फॉर द नेक्स्ट 2 वीक्स इट्स गोइंग टू बी टॉक्ड अबाउट एंड राइटफुली सो सो यू नो माय इंफॉर्मेशन व्हाटएवर इज लिमिटेड टुडे कम्स फ्रॉम टू एक्सीलेंट थ्रेड्स दैट आई हाईली रेकमेंड वन इज बाय आशु मुगलिकर and the other is by andy mukherjee so uh, basically what i i mean they ask um, of course because it's early days yet they ask a lot of questions more questions than they answer and uh, which is only uh, reasonable because not many people know about it except except for the following facts that uh, you know you had this uh, what is called the lou uh, letter of undertaking that was given in 2011 by a pnb bank employee corrupt employee to yeah to this this guy uh, nirav modi and his company uh, through which through which lou he was able to get uh, credit from the foreign branches and he managed that for about 6 years and what happened during that time this guy the corrupt pnb employee actually retired mm-hmm. and a new person came and this uh, modi guy uh, nirav modi got a bit greedy and he wanted the lou again, uh, again. and that is when the alarm bells rang and he said uh, what's been going on he said well you give me again because you you gave me one in 2011 hmm. and so basically that is the another thing of the hmm. the whole scam now so but obviously the scam paisa inhone nikal liya well i mean 11000 crores is 11, uh, yeah wow. which is absolutely phenomenal i mean to give you of course you can't uh, you know compare exactly. it but bofors was 66 crores then i don't know how in, in today's comparison how much it would but this is massive security scam was what 2000 crores harshad mehta something ah, like that. so this is probably the biggest banking scam if you remove the npa issue of, or if there is a scam in there i don't know but this is certainly a scam mm-hmm. now the thing is many people are saying that both the governments are responsible of course there has to be an element of truth in it i don't know if the governments are responsible that one has to dig mm-hmm. journalists have to dig mm-hmm. uh, because then you have to bring a clear association between the bank employee uh with the government of the day which was upa mm. or nirav modi with the government of the day which was upa or mm. with the bjp um but as far as the uh, you know someone should have flagged it and uh, you know the government should have acted on it or rbi or things certainly the government is responsible mm-hmm. and you see this stems from this fact that uh, you know the whole thing of course you can call me uh, uh, you know capitalist or whatever but the bank nationalization has a lot to do with all these scams you know and we we've seen in the last mm-hmm. 40 years 
these banks work on the whims and fancies of the politicians. I mean, right from Indira Gandhi, Sanjay Gandhi, all these things. And it, it will be foolhardy to imagine that they've suddenly after Modi came, they've stopped working, i.e. no politician has actually demanded from a PSU bank that you give my crony a loan. I mean, you'll be stupid to even believe that. So one of the primary reasons why the banks are PSUs, they are run, is because politicians can exert their influence. Exactly. And, uh, so Even uh, public sector companies. In fact, we had yes. done a story on how politicians keep using the CSR that they have to fund their own newspapers Absolutely. or their own companies. Yes. And they just dip into a piggy bank they just dip yeah. into to distribute sure, you know, The Gujarat Petroleum yeah. Corporation, I think, uh, was given 18,000, you know, the, for the Kaveri Basin uh, thing, it was given 18,000 crores. If I'm not mistaken, my figures might be a bit incorrect. And that was a public sector bank loan. Mm. So, uh, you know, and so the scam did not happen at the bank level. It may happen at the corporation the level. Mm. Because, you know, the, whoever is given the loan to, now, for example, this Jay Shah thing that came, now, I, you know, it's very difficult for a layman to actually say, yes, oh, you're culpable, you're this thing. But one thing certainly I hold uh, Jay Shah culpable is how easily he was able to get a public sector unit loan. Yeah. Now, the, of course, there's a conflict of interest. Robert Vadra too. Robert Vadra. But disturbing banking sector public इस पूरे घटना से क्योंकि ये अचानक से अभी तक तो केवल ये लग रहा था कि एनपीए के ही चक्कर में बैंकिंग व्यवस्था में शेयर्स डाउन हो गए तो इस 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 केवल स्कैम अगर स्कैम है और वास्तव में इतना बड़ा है तो इसको भी सरकार कहीं कहीं से बैंकों को भरपाई करना पड़ेगा इसी पब्लिक मनी से तो वो जो बात की जा रही थी कि फिर गवर्नमेंट का गारंटी क्या है जो बैंकिंग उसमें तो अल्टीमेटली फेथ की बात है कि सरकार है तो गारंटी है आंख बंद करके आदमी ने उसमें पैसा डाल दिया लेकिन इस इस घटना से फिर अब एनपीए एनपीए के बाद ये ऑब्वियसली सरकार को कुछ ना कुछ तो करना ही पड़ेगा इसको पीएनबी को बाहर निकालने के लिए शेयर मार्केट में जिस तरह से डाउन हो रहा है 8000 करोड़ 9000 करोड़ का आज डाउन हो बेल होगा करना पड़ेगा वो पब्लिक मनी होगा तो वो पूरा फेथ जो है और लगातार कमजोर होगा तो जो गवर्नमेंट की गारंटी है जिसको कहते हैं ना सरकार की जो एक उसको कहते हैं ना कि एक शब्द है कि सरकारें चलती हैं अपनी इकबाल से तो वो वो इकबाल जो है जो सरकार बैठी रहती है वहां पे और उसके अंदर में कि आदमी आंख बंद करके अपने अपना सारा जीवन वर्क के मैं उस बैंक में डाल देता है उस जगह पे लगा देता है हर जगह कहीं पे भी कि हमारी but the point is, over time, there is a steady erosion of uh, non-governmental institutions uh, telling the government or the government organization what to do. Now, you see, the, it all stems from this fact that slowly now you see NGAC, you see that the government is trying to creep into the role of deciding who the judges should be. Similarly, I was talking, you know, when I interviewed TCA Raghavan, and I asked him, you see, the problem is RBI is actually not completely independent. Mm. It should be independent, but it isn't. Now, just imagine if it was fiercely independent. It, in fact, Raghuram Rajan had actually flagged the NPA issue. But the point is, he could not take a step because he was not totally independent. I mean, maybe he was worried about his job or whatever the reason be. But if you had someone like the Election Commission, you know, like TN Session at that point of time, if you had someone say, you better do this, you cannot do this. 
opposition jitna bhi chalayega we are desensitized to the role of opposition also they because also they immediately jump on ki are ye scam hai ye karo wo karo koi sunta nahi opposition aur wo khud power mein aake wohi karte hain so that's why there's also that so you know anand your anything that you'd like to add to this no no right noises have been made so uh, uh one thing uh, just to add to that that if uh, this is scam the alleged scam would have happened in a private bank so uh, the uproar would be of a different kind mm. so uh, as similarly with uh, uh, say public hospitals and private hospitals now in aims lapses and very deadly lapses happen yeah. in aims subdarjang but the Uh, that mid that middle class outrage of yeah. private capital somehow uh, fleeing you with lot of money that comes in and in media tends to magnify private yeah. hospital lapses but if you go to aims of subdarjang there are very deadly little lapses happening yeah, yeah and uh, yeah, yes but you see i mean you can you can criticize the private sector any which way you want and there are so many loopholes so many so much corruption but at the end of the day uh, when push comes to shove we are always satisfied with the fact ki wo it's not our money mm-hmm. right they are so and you can see from the npa as well it's not that the private sector banks don't have npa but if you see over the last 3 or 4 years there have been drastic reduction in their npas compared to the psu npas yeah. so percent yes sir unless they don't uh, rectify their mistakes they're going to collapse whereas if psus have no incentive to rectify uh, them is it because government will always air yeah. india now Bail indigo outs, if yeah. indigo was in so much rut as air india is it would have either yeah. you know collapsed disappeared, disappeared. disappeared like uh, malias, malias thing disappeared yeah, yeah. or it would have rectified hmm. but air india has no incentive, incentive to do that so yeah. okay i'm going to read two very quick letters i didn't read any letters till now so two quick letters and then maybe we can discuss the wink and india today picking up that parody account and the firing and all the the rumblings in the media so to speak so the first letter is from sujit satyadas dear abhinandan i'm a subscriber since 2017 took the plunge after listening for free for 6 months or so for me the best hafta so far was lanal top one which provided great insights you about ubi i think that's a favorite yes. among a lot of us we really enjoyed that i'm from kerala i have to say that your nl's understanding of south india is pretty poor <laughs> it will be refreshing to hear from ts sudhir or others once in a while when you compared mamuti to rajnikanth i lost it <laughs> anyway that's for another day reason i'm writing to you is to understand how the nl sana works you are you raise funds for murthal kanur etc where's the full coverage of that you can catch we finished those stories actually and they're up on our website we'll provide the link below so you can read our coverage on that Uh, do I need to take another description to listen to read that? No, it's out of the paywall, so you can actually check out our coverage below this podcast. Uh, I really like the insights of Raman sir, Anand Vardhan. He speaks English like Hindi, but wonder how he gets those barren GRE words in his vocabulary. <laughs> And Atul will bring into the discussion. Uh, we have another letter from Arvind, who says, "Hafta uh, continues to be deeply engaging. Fridays continue to be eagerly awaited, so that I can get the next episode in the playlist." He suggested some uh, issues that we have with our podcast, and we forwarded to our team. We'll fix our app experience, which I believe is horrible for a lot of you right now. Uh, and here's a few suggestions for us. I turn to platforms like NL because I don't watch Republic or NDTV or Times now. I know TV news is terrible. Please don't reinforce the same thing during the podcast. It's a waste of time, and you won. TV news is already lost. 
the loya case i'm a bjp sympathizer and i'm willing to donate 10000 rupees for an nl sana project to get to the bottom of this case you are a news organization i trust please do your own story that sounds great i'll forward this suggestion to uh, our managing editor last but not the least please have somebody document all of anand vardhan's one liners <laughs> they are a treasure trove great i think maybe anand should have his own show clearly Uh, no means in that sense he means mamuti is a crowd puller and mm-hmm. mohanlal is considered more uh, versatile actor so mm-hmm. in that sense the analogy works but uh, with a deeper understanding of malayalam films that he seems to have so mm-hmm. he may yeah. say bada sharmnak hai anand anand bhi hamare yahan the south se aur abhinandan claim karta hai i am half south bhi anil ka south ka samajh bahut gadbad hai half times are of no use i tell you ridiculous these north indians you know. <laughs> and a second thing is that uh, me speaking english like hindi so i have told twice on hafta that i uh, was taught in a hindi medium school uh, so whatever little english i know i am self taught but he's praised your vocabulary wow. he said that where do you get this <laughs> vocabulary from <laughs> so so anyway um so there was this song uh, malayalam song I haven't uh, have you guys heard it by the way yeah Can i, I think the, the girl is really cute uh, priya warrior gana bhi bahut bahut hi gana maine nahi suna hai but i have been informed by our reporter in house reporter that this is a very old song Locally. but it was on uh, television uh, yesterday throughout the day actually uh, i have eight screens in yeah. front of me in the office yeah, yeah. and uh, the girl was winking at all the eight screens <laughs> <laughs> so Uh, one of our reporters at least Sahela who's from uh, Kerala and from Malabar she in fact told us that it's uh, she's a, she's muslim and she's malayali and she said i've heard my i've grown up listening to my father listening to this song it's called mani kaya malayara puvi and it's a lullaby and it's actually apparently got to do with khadija and mohammed's love story khadija was this woman he married she she was he was 40 years older than her no i think he was 25 years younger she than she was 40 and, and he was 25 was so it's actually like it's based on their love story it was uh, it came out in 1978 by this poet called pa jabbar and uh, this has got everyone and the guys who compl- and it had it has a really pretty girl winking and that wink went viral you never know why things go viral now this is like the strangest thing sometimes just capture people's imagination uh, well uh, i mean it's a great wink but i'd never thought that it creates such a great wink <laughs> उसमें वायरल होने के सारे 
सारे लक्षण थे उसमें सारा मटेरियल था बट बंच ऑफ मैन इन हैदराबाद हु ऑब्वियसली वो उनको मलयालम तो समझ आती नहीं होगी तो दे आर लाइक हमारा इस्लाम नहीं इसको तो इसी तरह से खारिज किया जा सकता है मनीषा की मतलब ये समय ही ऐसा की हरा हर बात पे हर आदमी की ये भावनाएं आहत हो so it acts as a complete you know kind of a cushioned surprise ki oh my god the muslims are also doing this whereas the fact is india has is incredibly intolerant we have laws laws that protect intolerance through you know maybe cultural uh, intolerance or religious intolerance and things of that sort so unless we stop being selective we'll never be able to solve this problem and what has happened is now the thing is if somebody says it offends my religious sensibilities how can you argue against that yeah because a person can say well it is offending my you know mm-hmm. it is enshrined in our constitution yeah i mean in the first amendment so i mean the point is you cannot argue against these things but i think in this case there can't be an fir i mean there really, there's no there's been a complaint but there's really no grounds for an fir complaint here i mean i'd be very surprised agar fir no, file ho jata hai uh, you know the um, our mf hussain uh-huh. Uh, not his paintings but he made a film hmm. gajagamini gajagamini right? with madhuri dikshit right with madhuri ah, dikshit yeah. okay and uh, i think it, there was a, some similar there was a protest by muslims hmm. i forget our protest was on a song that were, had, that had madhuri dikshit being pictureized or something hmm. like that that hmm. had a background or uh, uh, you know he removed that song Yeah. You you had Gadar, you know that movie that in Gadar Bombay Maniratnam's Bombay. Bombay Maniratnam's Bombay in Gadar uh um sunny deol's wife or you know the partner mm. was called sakina sakina mm. sakina was uh, prophet muhammad's mother so huh. there were huge protests yeah, really yeah <laughs> so uh, you know, the whole point is mm. uh, if you have enshrined in your constitution even davinci code there was a bunch of uh, in uk there were protest by pakistanis against, against release of border uh, border note that's gather uh, because of yeah, this reason yes hindustan zindabad hai zindabad tha zindabad rahega so this is going to yeah. for example padman has uh, mm. been banned in pakistan because they think that you know that it, is so ridiculous yeah. yeah i actually saw this pakistani woman tweet a pad also saying that it should yeah. be released i mean it's it, but in all of this there was a parody account times how yeah <laughs> tell me about it i love it <laughs> which uh, tweeted out apparently molana atif kadri ka 3000 retweets 3000 retweets <laughs> saying that there should be basically this is offended and it's really funny because it says like Um, whenever we or our fellow Muslim brothers closed our eyes to offer namaz instead of Allah, her face would appear, <laughs> which is hurting our sentiments. Hence, we wish you to fatwa against us. Just hilarious. And this, a lot of people thought that this was true. And, including uh, yours truly. Including because on my uh, Twitter Mr. feed Rangan we had uh, Vidya Krishnan. who was really angry at this he said yeah. saale bude turkey hai to you know mat sochna uske bare mein that was a very angry tweet very, like dude. you know almost then we had <laughs> vidya then we had vasuda from ep tweeting oh. that then we had sanjay gargi, also hegde sanjay hegde gargi oh. and ovesi rana safi Maybe. everyone so yeah i mean 3000 retweets and so many people got it's amazing how no one saw times how na the point is you see it it's not just that 
people weren't able to see the handle times how because if it's just that what he said in the background of the kind of fatwas that have been declared on you know uh, on Sanya Mirza for example yeah. on football players on lipstick oh. this just sounded so believable <laughs> you know yeah. ki bhai ye yeah. kar sakte hain ye it's totally believable that kashmiri singer there was a fatwa you know so there's fatwas at the drop of a hat yeah so yeah. you think cheez hai ki chehre matlab photo ka jo impression hota hai shabdon se zyada hota hai bahut zyada yeah 1000 shabd likhi aur ek photo to wo photo logon ne dekhte hi samajh liya ki ye hoga to bhai bhai apne pants na wala बट द फनी थिंग वॉज ठीक है मतलब इट कॉन्ट पीपल इंक्लूडिंग मी एंड ऑल फाइन बट अंजना ओम कश्यप आज तक दे रैन द होल होल शो कजरारे नैनो वाली ने मौलाना को क्यों उसमें जो उसमें वीओ बहुत सारा चला जो बीच में रिपोर्ट जो थी कनखियों पे इस हिंदुस्तान मर गया कि वो फोर्स की तोप हो गई जिसकी नली से निकली तड़क कर पोलिटिकल एडिटर ऑफ डेलीज and proprietors who allow uh, anchors and top editors to get away peddling fake news and uh, this kind of started a lot of conversation what did she really tweet about what did she say well she didn't mention anyone she mm. has not tagged anyone or anything mm. she her the gist of her tweet was that uh, proprietors cannot let uh, editors and anchors get away fa- peddling fake news and hate speech and they should be tried in the court which i think is i mean i'm not for trying anyone for fake news i, I mean i don't think that's the solution but beyond that she she claims that she was fired for that tweet of course india today said that that's not the reason there was some ethical uh, they don't specify it but they've said that there was some ethical uh, code yeah, of conduct which uh, she crossed uh, on, on this particular issue it would be uh, inappropriate for me to uh, judge who's right or who's wrong uh, yeah yeah but uh, that's but very huh? unlike you are <laughs> no no because i don't one i don't know the details, yes, uh, details. Okay. i don't know uh, what she said on twitter and what the proprietor which is all the more reason for you to outrage if you don't know the details <laughs> that is precisely when you must so let me actually uh, a subset of the conversation yeah. whenever something like this happens a journalist gets is that uh it's increasingly becoming difficult for journalists to operate or to be free okay I, in fact you know that i want to that question to arti with a washington post was, article that yeah, has appeared yeah, yeah exactly yeah 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 so please remind us journalists so, are having a bad time in fact you and know the, i was very tempted to uh, tweet about it but then i was coming here um so mila. i didn't get <laughs> get a chance to tweet and <laughs> actually ruffle many feathers um you see uh this whole uh Uh, i will call it narrative uh, <laughs> that it's become very difficult for journalists to operate and function uh, especially after 2014 uh, yeah, general, ever uh, since the modi government has come into power i do not buy this simply because uh, i participate in editorial news editorial meetings every day and uh, we engage in heated exchanges we uh, you know and the editorial board generally has people from the entire ideological spectrum i have not come across even one instance where i felt you know um, a person um, if among 12 editors one person disagreed he was thrown out simply because of a disagreement second i um, do believe that you know uh, there are darbari journalists 
whether it's New Delhi or Kashmir or elsewhere in the country or even in the West. Darbari, by that I mean that, you know, journalists who get very close and chummy with, with the government, who benefit from the largest, largest of, of the governments. And access that they get. And access. So, and uh, somewhere, you know, they also uh, forget who they are, they forget the uh, the ethical code by which they are supposed to, you know, function as journalists. So that happens a lot. And I think uh, many of the journalists, um, I would not name uh, who, many of the journalists who had that kind of access with the previous government, they would feel uncomfortable when this government comes into power. And, you know... Uh, as with unearths, some of the journalists today feel this. Unearths a yeah. lot of their, you know, uh, benefits that they have taken from the previous government. So they will obviously feel uncomfortable. And uh, if, if, if you have go gone out of your way to uh, target a certain politician uh, and uh, spared the rest, you know, you will, uh, somebody will take notice of it and he will come after you. Mm. So I think... Um, uh, and even today, I mean, uh, there are many journalists, some of the TV, TV journalists are shamelessly and unapologetically, you know, pro-government, pro-BJP and pro-Modi, um, who eventually will also, you know, get targeted by the next government. Mm. This is the nature of the beast. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you cannot deny it. You cannot, you know, say that this does not happen. If you are denying it, you are lying. You are basically telling untruth to, to public. Um, therefore, I don't think, you know, there is a particular um, witch hunting of, of journalists. I haven't come across. I bash uh, the BJP government day in, day out. I have bashed the previous government too. Uh, but I don't see anyone coming after me. Hmm. Um, so I think it's... Uh, I think it's a stretch. It's a huge stretch by, you know, saying that, you know, things are worse now. Things mm -hmm. are bad, yeah. Anand, your uh, view on the whole controversy? Anything specific to say? No, no. no. <laughs> uh, Atul? No, I just have two things. In fact, journalists have been this एक चीज है इसमें इस पूरे ट्वीट में मुझे लगता है जो चीज इंडिया टुडे ग्रुप को नागवार गुजरी उसमें यह है कि उसी टाइम के दौरान जब जिस मतलब मैं मान के चल रहा हूं कि जिस टाइम पे ये ट्वीट आया था उसी टाइम पे रोहित सरदाना का एक शो था एक दो दिन बाद जिसको कहते हैं फैक्टलेस पूरी एक शो चलाया था बाद में उसी आज तक पे एक ग्राउंड रिपोर्ट चलाई गई दूसरे शो में उसके 12 घंटे बाद जहां जिसमें उनका रिपोर्टर ग्राउंड से जाकर रिपोर्ट कर रहा था एक्चुअल क्या-क्या चीजें हुई आशु आशुतोष मिश्रा ने अभिषेक मिश्रा इजंट ही प्रो आप आई डोंट नो पॉलिटिकल इंक्लिनेशन तो वो ग्राउंड पे था उसने अब इसके बाद ये ट्वीट आया है तो उस उस पर्टिकुलर ये दोनों इंसिडेंट दोनों शो के बाद जबरदस्त सोशल मीडिया पे ट्रोलिंग हुई थी प्रोप्राइटर्स की टुडे के एक एंकर इस तरह से कैसे इतना ब्लेटेंटली कह रहा है वो कह रहा है कुछ और कह रहा है कि पाकिस्तान जिंदाबाद कहने के लिए गोली मार दी गई या हिंदुस्तान जिंदाबाद कहने के लिए गोली मार दी गई और दूसरी तरफ आपका रिपोर्टर कुछ कह रहा था अब उस कॉन्टेक्स्ट में इस ट्वीट में सीधे-सीधे प्रोपराइटर्स के ऊपर सवाल उठाया गया था तो उससे लगता है कि रेटल्ड हुए होंगे लोग कि ये उस 
एक तरफ पूरा वो चल रहा है दूसरी तरफ अपने ही एम्प्लॉयज भी उंगली उठा रहे हैं प्रोपराइटर्स के ऊपर तो ये ये वजह हो सकती है मतलब मुझे लगता है इसकी वजह से लेकिन ये है कि अब वो स्पेस कहाँ है फिर कि आपको जैसे अभी मनीषा ही बता रही थी कि शायद आपके यहाँ भी भी बहुत सारे रूल्स हैं ऐसे रेगुलेशन है सोशल मीडिया को लेके एम्प्लॉज के लिए इस तरह के इंक्रीजिंगली हर जगह हो गया है तो ये हर जगह हर ऑर्गेनाइजेशन में बढ़ रहा है वो इंटोलरेंस तो अब ये समस्या यहीं पर है कि जर्नलिस्ट अपने मन की बात क्या कहेगा they are within their rights to determine a certain code of uh, conduct for the social media for social mm. media or for any you know public conduct mm. every organization does have uh, mm. every professional organization mm. would have i assume even the uh, nyt i mean it's yeah a, yeah there is a, there is, a, there is a certain code of conduct mm. uh, for example uh, you know i am within my rights to criticize the government i am within my rights to criticize even the opposition but is it ethical for me to uh, slander anyone i don't think i am within my rights is it ethical for me to abuse and you know um, call names to uh, in you know public 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 figures yeah, exactly you don't so, want to be seen as someone so if you if you are crossing that line i think an organization is within its rights to sack that person uh, to uh, you know simply say that you know you don't are deserve to be in this organization uh, abusers on twitter are journalists let's face it exactly right. so and i think and it is it is not right I, I don't know. know. I don't I, think I the think biggest it's, it's abuse. It's all a relative judges. thing. I mean, hmm. you, know, you might construe something as an abuse, where it might be a. But uh, to come back to what happened, I think it's preposterous. I saw that tweet, and it it was not. It was saying a proper thing, except as I agree with Manisha. I am, uh, what did I say? Pro. uh hate not pro hate speech you're pro fake news <laughs> no i'm, I'm pro uh, whatever that no i'm no. against <laughs> hate speech being uh, yeah. uh, criminalized yeah. criminalized okay uh, yeah. so yeah. i didn't agree with that but apart from that what was wrong in that tweet so i, I think yeah. it's no, no, disgusting prosecution no yeah. prosecution is is different but i as i said every organization is also within its rights to determine mm. what its code of yeah. conduct should be right but if I in my if in my contract yeah, i i have signed my contract saying that i will not abuse Yeah. I will not, you know, uh, mm. slander that anyone. That wasn't abuse. No, I'm she just saying. Anyone, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying sure. that that one must go by the law, by the code of conduct that you have signed. Yeah, you're right. Like if you have a every organization does because as journalists you do whether you like it or not you do represent your organization. So I have to if I tweet something fake or something incorrect it will not people not only say oh they can use laundry journalists क्या कर रहा है. So you have to be careful and all proprietors owners want to give out those directions ki. ये है इन इंडिया टूडेज केस देर वॉज एक्चुअली मेमो दैट सेट दैट प्लीज इंडिकेट दैट यूज अ पर्सनल सो विच इज दिस जर्नलिस्ट क्लेम्स दैट शी हैड दैट रिटन आई थिंक द ट्वीट इज वेरी इनऑक्यूस इट हैज नथिंग देर वॉज नथिंग अब्यूसिव इन इट इट्स बेसिकली अ जनरल कॉमेंट्री ऑन द मीडिया दैट एंड इट इज ट्रू इंक्रीजिंगली ओनर्स प्रोपराइटर्स वॉन्ट एंकर्स हू कैन प्ले टू द गैलरी इवन इफ इट्स एट द कॉस्ट ऑफ पेडलिंग बकवास and you see that in india today you see it in arts tak you see that in times now and that is that's become a business model of sorts because you want to play to that gallery mm-hmm. that I wants think, to view these her, things i i don't know her ideology i mean that would be apparent i think she's quite left uh, if mm-hmm. you see left? from what but in any yeah. case i thought that tweet was uh, ideology agnostic no, because uh, i mean uh, you... my, if you look at michelangelo sorry you know uh, rajdeep on india today <laughs> I mean, it's not that fake news is the preserve of only a few, few anchors no. or journalists in India today. I mean, this is 
and we saw that Mani Shankar Iyer's interview taken by that India Today report and what she was talking to, you know. The, so it's it's across, and there was nothing wrong in that tweet and at all. So, it's just ha- weird. How how uh, have you verified that you know she was sacked for the tweet? So of course, these are this is what she has said. She has said that this is what has happened. She's given a detailed account of the HR. Uh, interview that she had with her and India Today has just said that we are gold standard of Indian journalism and <laughs> that's the and that and that uh, she was sacked for transgressing some ethical boundaries they have not specified now as it is with big organizations they also think they're beneath answering you know hum jawab de, hum to, we are be, beyond everything but if indeed she's correct in her assertions then it's I think it's quite alarming because this is the same organization where you don't see a crackdown on journalists when they use Twitter to either push out inflammatory sort of agenda yeah. or peddle fake news or whatever. There's no censure that you see, but suddenly this one journalist has voiced a personal opinion. I don't, I personally don't think you need laws to fight fake news. You just need more alert readers who point it out. Mm-hmm. And you have that on social media. The moment a fake news comes out, you instantly have 100 other people also who say, no, this is wrong. This is self-correction. This is what happened in the past. 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 This is what happened तो अब वो टाइम्स हाउ और टाइम्स नाउ में अंतर करने का समय नहीं है उसके पास अगर उसको लग गया कि ये ये टीआरपी वाला मामला है तो अंजना ओम कश्यप जैसे लोग उसमें बरी हो जाते हैं इतना बड़ा अपराध anything from plagiarism to uh, you know stories which could not be verified uh, yeah, at some point yeah. uh, so I think and it's about big names yeah but there is a lot of things that are Arthur, you have to agree, you know, selectivity is rife in our media. I mean, just I to give you an you. example, uh, I mean, we had uh, Shaila Rashid. Mm. Now, she, uh, in the in the wake of, uh, uh, you know, that intercaste, uh, the mm. gruesome murder of Ankit that Ankit. happened, she wrote a Facebook post saying, you know, that one should be compassionate, asking fellow Muslims to be compassionate for interfaith marriages. And the kind of horrendous abuse, and I've just saw, you know, I, I could not unsee the kind of disgusting comments by fellow Muslims on her thing. She had to delete her Facebook account. But she, now, she, she actually deleted it. She, yes. like, she seems to deactivate. Deactivate. Jo bhi hai. I but mean, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm, no I'm shocked. Media uh, picked it up. No, mm. I'm shocked that uh, she deactivated her Facebook account because she doesn't come uh, across as a person. Yeah, who she, kind of, exactly. Yeah. She doesn't well, come across. And, and tweeted second, about this, also that you know, uh, so, I, I have to say that Shahla Rashid herself would yeah. be, is selective. Uh, suppose um, she had said. Uh, something against against you know the bjp or the rss or uh, the hindutva guys she wouldn't have deleted and her she would not have i'm i'm very certain that she would not have deleted or deactivated her page uh, so selectivity is not just in in media selectivity also is also among activists who champion causes exactly. of say free speech or you know freedom so liberty yeah but you know yeah. that's a given for mm-hmm. example an activist i would say 95% across ideologies would be selectivists mm-hmm. across ideology but media i don't so for example you know there was this really horrendous uh, uh, some hindutva individual who uh, got hold of the uh, you know the um, identities of people who would yeah. actually uh, inter inter uh, faith couples inter faith couples, couples right yeah. 
and uh, he wrote something really disgustingly inflammatory thing almost the next day it was in all the mainstream newspapers it was you know there were articles written on it it was almost as if you know bjp is responsible for it or whatever ultimately turned out to if be I one individual who is candid about this yeah. uh, i think lot of yes. the a uh, lot of activists uh, who became overnight celebrities they became overnight celebrities because they have patronage in mainstream media mm, uh, the patronage uh, has created you know uh, people like Hela Rashid herself, and um, I would say to some extent, many of the AAP AAP uh, you know members also were created uh, were media creation. Um, so yes, you know um, when you have patronage uh, in the mainstream media, you will also um, you will also either get highlighted when it suits you or it's convenient to you. or you will completely you know uh, be absent from the newspapers or the news channels if it doesn't suit you mm. and that's what has happened in shahla rashid's case because uh, it wouldn't really suit her um, and i'm sure her patrons within the mainstream media realize that it won't suit her when you claim or when you say that you know she deactivated her page because of islamis that mm. sort of takes away her core constituency see at the end of the day mainstream media is also political you do have people who either are supporters of the congress or the bjp or the aam aadmi party because at the end of the day we are all citizens, political yeah. citizens individuals who go out to vote on the voting day right the only problem is that many journalists carry that vote to the office every single day it should be just one day you know in a year but it's unfortunately you know so modi ji ki agar baat chal jaye to 5 saal mein ek bar so okay two things about the tweet in by coming back to the tweet thing now uh, the core issues that uh, come up of the discussion is this that uh, uh, going by the uh, code of conduct whether journalists themselves see um uh, see themselves just as an employee of an organization or they have uh, arrogated to themselves yeah, certain entitlements which are beyond uh, uh, an employee of an organization and arrogated to themselves at some public barriers so uh uh now the confusion comes if it was just uh, an order from an organization it would be okay just like a private company fired somebody hmm. for something but journalists see themselves greater than themselves <laughs> so 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 uh, it also they just don't see themselves as a creature yeah. working within an organization so but that, that also, also good, something no? special no. to journalism yes yes it is the uh, what i'm saying that confusion but kisi aur bhi job okay. कंपनी confusion is rooted in that mm. and uh, it is right or wrong is a different matter mm. so yeah. Yeah, but what do you think well is it right or wrong oh. 
Oh, uh, see, uh, there are informal ways of controlling also. I Means I am not a journalist, but whatever a few organizations I have worked with, there are informal ways in which people can control you when you don't uh, agree with them. So, so that is I also. I see uh, every newsroom. There is no newsroom which is free of. Uh, Anand puts it as control, but you know, newsroom which is like absolute editorial freedom. I mean, of course, editors by nature are guys who are going to take call on your stories. Some stories will not be taken, some stories will be taken. And I think in that sense, a lot of journalists should not be, you know, within the freedoms that you get. And I mean, in a smaller organization like News Laundry, it's still okay. But when you're working in a bigger organization, it's clear that these are holy cows. But that doesn't mean you can't do anything. You find ways to do stories. You know that there are other stories that you can do. And you, you try to figure out ways to work in that ecosystem. So I think also, Manisha, there's also the realistic call, thing I understand that, taking a call. But, uh, uh, you know, I have no objection if the editor takes a call objectively. Hmm. Okay. The problem what we have nowadays in our media is that edi- editors themselves are in this, uh, uh, you know, kind of a cocoon that, uh, you know, there is no such thing as objectivity. So that I'm going to we act. Had a <laughs> yeah, okay. Massive so thing on we've it. had a. But you know, yeah. you see what I mean. I mean, the, the thing is that, uh, like, in fact, Anand Vardhan tweeted about that. You know, on, on the same context that uh, I think two weeks ago, uh, a journalist from the Wire yeah, she had was assaulted uh, uh, by Dalit activists. And the Wire's guys yes, said, "Don't they, I said, "Don't don't talk much about <laughs> it. Don't file a complaint or whatever it was." Now, why was that? That was because the editors at the Wire hmm. had a. Uh, you know their own ideology, and and they and did not want. Yeah, they were activists yeah, in a way. In, a way. in fact, Manu Joseph. And I think actually that was a big miss on part of everyone. I mean, that was a story that should have, because here's a woman who's been harassed here at a thing, and to say that okay, let it for the cause, just keep quiet. Yeah, it's a bit quiet about the cause. And she's and it's not even third, second person. It's a first person account. She's yep. put out a Facebook yes. post saying it, so it's really out there for you to. It's kind of like if I went to an ABB rally and I get molested by an ABB guy, and I was hmm. working in Z News, and someone in Z News says for the BJP or for the cause don't complain it yeah. would create huge alarm that would run for a but week it, but here it hasn't and there's obviously that I mean that's something that has to be counted and we need to be conscious of it also and bhai, pay attention o, to o it when we are called uh, out for it I think this uh, Republic TV ke, uh, reporter had put a mic so you have made such a big scene in the press club in the last time I would say that you have to stop there and stop there and stop there you try to take that fight a little further like you have done the rest of the fight I think, you know, we have arrived at a point uh, just like the West where media organizations are comfortable uh, with labels. Hmm. I think... Very wi- important point. Yeah, I think... But wi- it's sad. Yeah, it is sad. It is I sad. Think, I think, I think Wired consumer. is comfortable uh, being uh, seen as a left-wing, left-oriented, uh, you know... Uh, website the left yeah, yeah. and um, republic or times now are sort of fine with the right wing label that they have got um, newspapers i think are still in the in a indecisive mode I mean, yeah in india newspapers <laughs> and, are still where you can still yeah, get exactly. credible and, information but if you look at hindi you will know that everyone has decided so i think there is a vernacular i think hindi newspapers have now sort of become comfortable as you know with bjp with, 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 you but know, you see the problem arti is this difference uh, this brilliant distinction that you bring out between print media and this. You see, the problem is in print, you open a newspaper, you read it for 10 minutes, there are 200 stories in it. 
Now, even if the editor or even if it is a left-wing newspaper like, let's say, Hindu, yeah. out of 200 stories, you will get at least 15 huh. non-left yeah. stories. Yes. Yeah. When you have you're running those pages, obviously, yeah. you can't just yeah. You yeah. see, so Unless, then you become a pamphlet. But if you have a television yeah. channel, you're running not more than two or three stories. Yeah. So the editor yeah. has to decide that no, boss, this is Republic. Arnab is saying that this is right. You're right. That's very important. So you know, space. How much is there? One frame of space. How much is there? 24 hours. You're running. टाइम्स Wow. Now, I mean, you know, so no, that's every really day he that has to take it to. I am saying it's untenable. You know, he's already started getting up from the chair. मतलब वो एक उसका हो गया. उसके जो panelists हैं वो चार में से. साई बता रहा है. साई बता रहा है. ये होने वाला है. Panelists ने उठना शुरू कर दिया. John Dayal अब हर उसमें show में उठ जाता है. हाँ, वो सब पहुँच. अब आना उठ जाता है. You know, no, I think I think uh, uh, since Indian audience and Indian readers are not used uh, to the kind of you know uh, blatant, brazen endorsements, for example, and um, in in the US, every newspaper comes out openly whom they are going to endorse. Uh, Economist also does, you know, come out openly whether they're going to endorse uh, Modi or versus uh, Rahul Gandhi. Uh, we are still we have you know been trained and we have grown up in a different era in a different culture of journalism and we are still yet to come to terms with this new journalism <laughs> where endorsements are being made openly and publicly but i think you know next generation very would true. not be very surprised and shocked by this yeah. i think it people will sort of uh, associate channels with the ideologies and with the parties and people will sort of eventually figure out where to pick uh, news mm, from and where to pick news. their opinion from mm. yeah great okay so uh, let's have our recommendations ready ati we generally at the end of the podcast just recommend whatever we'd like our viewers listeners to read or watch so uh, anand you want to start with your recommendation i will i mean not because i'm trying to flatter our guests huh. but uh, <laughs> yesterday she interviewed someone in times of india a kashmiri historian Uh, writing on the influence of sanskrit and vedic uh, literature yeah, um, on <laughs> kashmir so i'll i'll ask arti to mm-hmm. uh, so i am recommending her piece but i'll <laughs> ask her to describe because yes. i think that's quite important and it exposes a lot of uh, quote unquote historians yeah. who actually quote history without actually telling selectively quoting history yeah. so arti please um i am going to recommend uh, jnu professor dr shonalika calls upcoming book uh, which is called uh, the making of early kashmir uh, it's been published by oxford university press and it's coming uh, out this month uh, i recommend this book uh, strongly because i think uh, it is the most significant book on ancient history of kashmir since 12th century and this is a huge wow. claim i'm making i'm uh, making this claim simply because it brings out the correct one interpretation of rajtarangani 
which is the 12th century chronicle of uh, Kashmiri kings Kalhans exactly Kalhans uh, Raj Tarangani um and it um also uh, establishes that uh, the common notion that you know kashmir has been historically or geographically uh, or culturally uh, been isolated and has never been part of india um it dispels that notion this book uh, you know in fact rips apart a lot of propaganda that has happened over the history of kashmir by various authors uh, including uh, some of our own indian historians um so that is one and second uh, dr shonalika kol uh, i want to add something more about her she's uh, one exceptional uh, academic who works with sanskrit text mm. uh, usually um, you know a lot of historians don't know sanskrit so she reads the primary yeah so she reads the primary text mm. and therefore i think uh, it's very unusual and in a way in some ways unprecedented to that india has india is producing now academics who know sanskrit and who are going to the primary source and uh, reinterpreting or uh, reconstructing uh, history mm. uh the second uh, thing about the book is uh, um this uh you know if you went to the same schools as you know the rest of us uh where ncert text was being taught you would know that you or if you recall that kashmir is hardly mentioned in you know history textbooks despite the fact that you know uh, kashmir is the only place in the subcontinent which has a recorded history um of of uh, you know almost uh, 5000 years when you mean recorded you mean like written, written down, i okay. mean the raj tarangani is the chronicle yeah. of of that history okay. unlike in the rest um, perhaps you know anand uh, could uh, add on to it in the rest of the subcontinent we have had a hard time finding text mm. you know but kashmir uh, is the only place which had text and it was not sort of accommodated in our history books mm. so from that perspective also uh, shonalika's um, book is very very significant great that's great sounds one very question if i may ask arthi is you know because um, there is and you write about the discourse on kashmir has been totally one sided or whatever or it's not been that uh, uh, popularized or you know it's come in the popular narrative uh, but uh, you know uh, the kind of uh, trials and uh, you know the um, the kind of trauma that a lot of uh, kashmiri pandits had to face um uh, you know if you look at the books that have come out i think uh, other than rahul pandita siddharth jigu mm. and uh, varad sharma uh, you know uh, two or three maybe more not a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, narration of their stories has actually come out so do you have in mind to write a story about your uh, um i uh, do intend to write in fact i i did start working on my own personal memoir but i have suspended it uh, because i think uh, i need to uh, <clears throat> write a proper history book uh, to educate uh, you know youth of this country about fundamental facts uh, many don't seem to know and many seem to be uh, completely confused uh, because there are so many narratives as someone was pointing out earlier there the crisis is there are multiple narratives and in fact too many narratives and you can't really sift through those narratives what uh, 
is uh, true and what is untrue. Uh, and the other reason that I have suspended uh, my, for the time being, my memoir is, uh, I feel that, you know, uh, you have to give a memoir to grow inside you, you know. Mm. Uh, you have uh, to allow time to uh, make more nuanced and more deeper impressions on your own experiences. So I'm holding it back, but I do intend to write. And I have to say, the reason that not much literature came out from the uh, displaced Kashmiri Pandit community in the last um, 30 years is because um, most of us were struggling. We uh, were struggling for survival. We were struggling for um you know, having shelter, having food, the basics of life. And uh, sorry, I have to butt in here. I mean, if you mm. were to draw a parallel yeah. between, you know, the exodus yeah. of, let us say, you know, or persecution, yeah. you would draw a parallel with, for example, Jews. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, Jews were also, you know, struggled a lot through their persecution, but you had a lot of uh, literature that came out of, and a lot of people wrote about it, even though they were destitute and looking for work and all that. So why do you uh, think, is it because in our it's an Indian psyche not to write a lot of what has happened or it's just a Western... I think I mean, two, I'm just uh, trying to get uh, yeah, the... No, I think two things. Uh, one, um, Jews, a uh, lot of them uh, migrated to the US and uh, yeah. they found a huge opportunity uh, to As write... As yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And second, um, language is a huge uh, problem. Many of us, I mean, uh, many of my cousins, my younger, you know, uh, siblings, um, they are sort of, you know, uh, they grew up out of Kashmir. One, they did not learn their own language. They adopted the language of the place where we migrated to. Third, uh, English language. I think, you know, um, for a community that is... Um, that has existential crisis to learn uh, English language. It's you know is a, is a huge challenge, especially you know when your parents don't know that language. Where I come from, an underprivileged uh, class, uh, my parents didn't know English, and um, we didn't. They didn't even know proper Hindi. If you have come across Kashmiris, you would know that you know they're they're heavy, you know oh, Kashmiri accent yeah. accent. So. Language was an issue. So what language do you really write in? Because Kashmiri language itself, we do not follow the original script, which is Sharda. Uh, we don't have many people who know the written Kashmiri. Hmm. Uh, so you have not you know, taught your kids Kashmiri language. You don't know Hindi. You don't know English. So <laughs> my generation of Kashmiri Pandits learned whatever language we learned on our own. So as you know, he was, Anand was earlier pointing out that he's self-taught and in many ways I'm self-taught too. Uh, because, you know, after displacement, I went to government schools uh, where I didn't really learn much. Um, mm. I learned whatever I learned, I learned later in life. Mm. Great. Atul, your recommendations? So, my recommendation is a podcast on the Atlantic, Bill Gates. So, Bill Gates has said that in the church, in the church, America's first policy is not good for anyone. So, it's a very good podcast. और वो हम लोगों के लिहाज से भी ठीक एक मतलब इंडिया के कॉन्टेक्स्ट में भी उसको देखा जा सकता है कि इंडिया फर्स्ट अमेरिका फर्स्ट इस तरह की पॉलिसीज को हम कैसे मिलिंडा गेट्स के साथ हैं दोनों का साथ हैं वही 
Anand? Two recommendations. First is uh, uh, in the latest issue of The Economist, there is a, an article or report on um, the use of social media by Asian leaders. So uh, how the Asian leaders, particularly South Asian leaders, have uh, figured out the use of social media. Uh, and now, how, what are its? It's not a complete report or very insightful one, but uh, um, it uh, gives you certain perspectives which you can develop. That how it has also changed the nature of political communication in this country. So that that one and second is uh, a seamless one of mine only. So <laughs> so. Uh, um, uh, uh, I am recommending it just because of some baggage, because I have uh, lived among civil service aspirants for two decades mm. and uh, mm, taught civil services aspirants for last 10 years. So uh, I wrote a piece yesterday uh, about uh, how the data regarding the falling vacancy in civil services is being misinterpreted among journalists like Ravish and, and the general discourse around it. Now, the thing is that when you have this kind of pieces, you, the, the uh, reader group that you cater to are the civil service experience themselves. <laughs> so so they, they would abuse you that why you are, why you are, uh, means uh, like Ravis and other commentators have uh, been sympathetic to them. But what they ignore is the uh, larger good of reform, reforming civil service aspirant, uh, uh, civil services examination recruitment, which even the current government has dodged. It has not been very um, truthful to it. Uh, uh, all successive governments have been uh, dishonest in pushing recruitment reforms in civil services. Now, uh, my own students with, uh, uh, say, fake names are maybe abusing me on the <laughs> articles. But so, uh, so uh, that is one thing. And then there is uh, also that uh, how this uh, entry to elite civil services, 100 seats here and there, that does not change the unemployment scenario, which has to cater to millions of unemployed people. Yeah. The, the, these are aspirational jobs. <laughs> jobs of great aspirations and uh, elite jobs. Now, these are not uh, uh, the things you talk about when you talk about the general unemployment thing, um, scenario. So it somehow muddles up and dis misdirects the general discourse on unemployment. So that is, I, I mean, it's a long, uh, I think, 2,500 words it's piece. It's a very well done piece. Well. I highly recommend it. But I will say that when you are a journalist, you will listen to the dialogue. No, they, they have already. And uh, <laughs> whenever I write about civil services examination reforms, I am very, very, means, uh, uh, vilified and uh, very uh, uh, abused. I wrote about uh, two, three pieces earlier also on different aspects. So uh, the, the response is very abusive because only those people who are experienced themselves are interested in such pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. I have uh, one recommendation in the Reuters on the Rohingya massacre. Uh, mm. Two of the journalists have been jailed. It's a very searing account of what has happened. And because we were talking about journalistic honesty, bias and all that, I highly recommend this piece in the New York Times, The Rohingyas Suffer Real Horrors. So why are some of their stories untrue? It's a very good uh, 
account of a journalist who traveled to one of these uh, refugee camps and she realized that some of the stories that were being told to her were lies by the refugees even children and because you know in a refugee camp she says the crisis is commodified you know everyone's fighting for that resource and the sadder your story is the more chance you have at that aid but she talks about why if a journalist gives in to it and there are many journalists and i know that i think very few journalists in india would have the honesty to actually tell the truth if they see that in a riot situation or in a such a situation somebody's lying and to she basically talks about how you i could feel you know she could feel diaries of the tragedy but you would be doing such a disservice to the real cause and real tragedy is if you peddle even one untruth and how she finds out how this man lied and you know it's it's a very very refreshing account and must read for journalists to just realize that it's very important to be true to the story rather than like you said be an activist for a cause or have an agenda so that's it you give your recommendation did you? i already did oh yeah. you did okay <laughs> so that's all that we have for the hafta today thank you so much aarti it was a delight to have you here and uh, hope you come back again and uh, and the recommendation we have today is for the, we have a song for so that more people get offended <laughs> more people think of wings so this is the song that we have uh, for this week and remember when corporations pay uh, corporates are served when governments pay governments are served when the people pay people are served so pay to mm. keep news free and subscribe to news laundry we'll be back next week with the full house i think abhinandan madhu both will be in so see you have a great weekend thank you thank you, thank you. laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.